This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hi, everyone. I'm Rosie Stevenson Goodnight, and I'm so happy to be here on this podcast. A um, little bit about me. I'm a visiting scholar at Northeastern University in Boston, Massachusetts, where I focus on pre-20th century uh, transatlantic English language women writers broadly construed. I am also the 2016 co-Wikipedian of the year with Emily Templewood. We were the first women to be selected for that honor. And um, great that it was the two of us who do similar kind of work that were honored in 2016 in that way. And in 2018, partially because of the work that I do on Wikipedia, I was knighted by Serbia, um, which is my ancestry. So that's a little bit about me. Wow. Wow. It's it's. It's a lot of credentials and credentials that you've um, amassed quite recently. Yes, those are. I mean, in all my life, I've been associated with doing different kinds of volunteer work. And even as far back as 1995, when I was living in San Diego County, I'm a California girl. And I was one of 10 women who were the first laureates of an award for the volunteer work that we had been doing in the county. I was associated with the juvenile justice system, and I sat on a committee that reviewed crimes committed by youth in our area. And um, I think we we helped the youth of the county to you know see what they had done wrong, and we then adjudicated something for them to do. There was always an essay. There was always community service hours. And if they completed the assigned work in the time that we allotted to them. Um, When they reached the age of 18, what they had done previously was expunged from their record. So um, that's just one example of the other kinds of volunteer work that I've done, but it's always been close to my heart. Not necessarily, I don't see myself as being altruistic. It's just something I like to do, and that's why I do it. So with that in mind, um, how and and why uh, did you start editing Wikipedia specifically? So it was June 4th, 2007. I was visiting my younger son, Sean, who was off at work. I was sitting in his apartment in San Francisco. And at the time, I was a telecommuter. And so when the day started getting long and I had finished the work that I was doing, I did what lots of people do. I started Googling this, that, and the other. And one thing I Googled was... Book League of America, which is a publisher whose books I collect. I'm a bibliophile. I collect old books. Doesn't necessarily mean that I read them, but I collect them. Anything published before 1950. And when I Googled Book League of America, I found some um, websites that mentioned it or talked about this uh, defunct publisher. But there was no article on Wikipedia, which just seemed weird to me. You know, at the time, 2007, I thought Wikipedia had an article about everything. So I went into Wikipedia itself and I Googled Book League of America and there was nothing. And then I thought, well, 
I had typed everything lowercase. Maybe I needed to be appropriate with my capitalization. So I tried again. And no, there still wasn't anything. And I looked, did I misspell something? Finally, it just dawned on me, there's no article in Wikipedia about Book League of America. And at that very moment, it dawned on me that my son, Sean, whose apartment I was sitting in, had showed me when he was in the Peace Corps in the Ukraine a year or so previously, two years previously, he had edited a article on Wikipedia about the city where he was stationed. And he had showed me this thing called Edit History, where you can see the history of every article and the username, who made the edit, and exactly what their edit was, and a date timestamp. This was something I had no idea even existed, but he had showed that to me. And I thought, you know what? If Sean could be sitting in Ukraine a couple of years earlier and he learned on his own how to edit Wikipedia, I bet I could figure it out too. And so I did. I created a username, which was my real name. And then I wrote, created the article Book League of America. And if you check, it still exists. And it's certainly been improved over the years since 2007. But yeah, that's how I got started. I There was something that wasn't there and I decided to take a chance and create it. And yeah, like I said, it's still there. So I guess I must have done something right. To a certain extent, the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But how long was it before you noticed that there was uh, a significant gender gap? Uh, on Wikipedia? took me five years. So for the first five years from 2007 to 2012, I created um, articles about all sorts of different things, lakes and rivers and streams, um, promontories and peaks and islands and islets of Nunavut, hundreds of these articles that were missing about Nunavut, Canada. Not that I'd ever been there, just it interested me. And then I created articles about places in Asturias, Spain, and articles about churches and monasteries and nunneries, and lots of biographies about men, because it's low-hanging fruit. There's so much information about historical men. It's just really easy to create them. And if you're like me, and I became addicted to creating articles very quickly within a couple of months, it was just fun to create articles where they didn't exist, as long as, of course, the article met the requirements of notability and reliable sources. And I um, have a background in academia. And so, of course, I understood academic writing. I understood encyclopedic art, article writing. And so I didn't have any problem. My articles weren't deleted or, you know, they didn't have all those tags on them that something might be wrong. But about five years later in 2012, March 2012, a group of editors, those of us who'd been kind of like veterans, we'd been around a while, we decided that in March 2012, for Women's History Month, that we would kind of stop the different things we'd been doing, and we would just write biographies about women. We thought, oh, this would be fun. We haven't done that before, just concentrating on women. Huh, okay, let's do it. So we did. And we were pretty amazed when those articles started showing up on the main page of English Wikipedia in the section called, Did You Know? So I had been 
a prolific editor of articles that were showing up on the main page in the Did You Know section. In fact, no women had created more of these articles than me. But I hadn't really noticed that there were mostly men's biographies showing up there. But that month, March 2012, when we started getting women's biographies in there, it dawned on me, huh, I don't think we've had so many women's biographies before. And I set out to count them. And I did. I counted them for the whole year. And I don't have that number now, but I remember this piece of paper where I was writing down, you know, in this column, man's biography, and this one, a woman's. And it was such a discrepancy. We got through March 2012, and we stopped writing biographies about women. We went back to doing what we wanted to do, writing articles about this, that, and the other. But that year in 2012, in the month, I don't know if I have the month handy, um, Emily Temple Wood created a wiki project dedicated to women scientists. I'm not sure if she did that on the heels of having um, what we had done in the month of March, or if something else kind of spurred her on. She was at time in um, university uh, studying sciences. And so she created this new wiki project. We had lots of wiki projects by 2012, but none that was dedicated just to some specific women, um, to women in general or a women's occupation in particular. So she created Wiki Project Women Scientists. And Wiki Project Women Scientists focuses on creating more biographies about women scientists and improving the articles that already exist about women scientists. Following year, 2013, we went back in March to doing what we had done the year before, and we started creating a lot more biographies about women during Women's History Month. Um, and more people had joined us by this time, and we felt really good about that. And later in that year, in um, 2013, Sarah Stierch created Wiki Project Women Artists. And fast forward another year, March 2014, a lot more people and a lot more articles were created during Women's History Month focused on women's biographies. And again, we were that filling up the, that did you know section on English Wikipedia regarding women's biographies. Uh, I think we started kind of really tuning into there's a problem here. We started looking through categories and seeing like if you went to the category of um, biologists, you would see all these men's names and very few women's names. You know, most of us recognize even at the time that society seemed to write more about men than women. But when did it really dawn on us on Wikipedia? It's like I said, I guess 2012, 2013, 2014. Later that year in 2014, I created Wiki Project Women Writers. I did that because I'm a writer. I'm an encyclopedist. My mom was a published writer. My grandmother was a published writer. And it seemed like there were all these women writers and their works, you know, the poems they wrote, the um, essays they wrote, the novels they wrote, the nonfiction works they wrote. We were missing these articles and somebody needed to you know, focus on that, just like we were starting to focus on women artists and women scientists. So with some encouragement 
from women friends. I created that and it's had a huge impact. And when I say huge impact, it's things like we can look and see the number of articles that have been created since the inception of something. Um, I'm looking right now, women Wiki Project Women Writers has just over 53,000 articles in its scope. Wiki Project Women Artists has 14,000 plus articles. Wiki Project Women Scientists has almost 16,000 articles. The numbers were minuscule before we started kind of focusing on these individual occupations. So this is September 2014 when I created Wiki Project Women Writers. And by December, we saw for the first time an academic article that gave us a number. Overall, what percentage of um, biographies on English Wikipedia were about women? Before December 2014, we'd never seen that number. We could look at categories and see that there were fewer women's names than men's, but there was no number before that. Well, the number was 15.5%. The number used a uh, the database from DBpedia that had been um, published in October 2014. So 15.5% as of October 2014. Now we flip the calendar, we go into 2015, and in February 2015, a Wikipedia editor who goes by Victuallers, he's a British gentleman, someone who every year in March, just like me, would stop and would concentrate on writing women's biographies. He left a note on my page and he said, look, I'm thinking about proposing a session for this international conference called Wikimania, where we could talk about what we've been doing. We see there are so few women's biographies versus men's and you know, we kind of stop what we're doing in the month of March. Do you want to work on this proposal with me? I'm not sure it's going to be accepted, but do you want to work on it? He said something like, you don't have to knock the doors wide open. Come on in if you want to do this with me. And it took me a nanosecond before I replied and said, yes, I'm all in. We were very lucky in that our proposal was accepted. And during the few months that we had before we did, you know, went to Wikimania in Mexico City in July 2015, we had a few months to kind of talk through how we would structure our slide deck. And during that time, we decided not only are we going to talk about the gender gap, the missing, the content gender gap, the missing articles, why don't we start up a wiki project where we focus on it, not just women's writers or women artists or women scientists, not trying to improve the articles. What differentiated this project that we called, that we announced on that stage, Women in Red, was that we would focus on creating new articles, not improving articles. We would focus on doing only online events, so like other projects, very often you can be in Dublin or Paris or New York City or somewhere else in the world where people get together to work on, um, you know, edit-a-thons, work on creating articles, improving articles. What we would do would be online. And the third thing that differentiated us is Roger's a gentleman and I'm a woman. We decided that our project doesn't care who you are. 
We don't care who the editor is, just write the articles. And at first we thought just women's biographies, but we've expanded it within a month or two. It went from just women's biographies to women's works broadly construed. So the essays, like I said, the essays they wrote, the schools they founded, the sculptures they sculpted, the conferences they convened. I love writing articles about women's conferences, especially conferences that were convened before we had something like the internet. Like, how did they do this 100 years ago? How did they do this 150 years ago? How did they, you know, decide where they would meet and who would come and the hotel they would stay in and um, the plank that they would have, the resolutions they would come up with. that they w- And then the third part uh, would be biographies, the works, and then women's issues, things like women's health, women's suffrage. We thought when we're standing on, the, well, I'm standing on the stage July 2015 talking about women in red. Roger is Skyped in. He was teaching at the time and so he couldn't get away. And so here we are, these three big screens and his faces there. We're talking about this new project we're founding and we think, aha, we're going to have 15 minutes of fame. People are going to want to write women's biographies for about 15 minutes. This is the month of July. Who writes women's biographies in the month of July? Especially because we're not going to get together in in London or you know Washington, D.C. or Tokyo to sit around and talk about this. We're doing everything online. 15 minutes, that's about all we're going to have. And we were wrong. We were wrong. People started in that first month, we created over, we, the community, humanity, created something over a thousand articles. And now fast forward to, um, where are we, October 2020. And I thought I had that number pulled up for you. I do. We've created over 131,000 articles on just English Wikipedia. And we are now a 25-language community, meaning people aren't just doing this on English Wikipedia. They're doing this in 24 other language Wikipedias. Um, they're talking about the articles they're creating on our talk page, which has had over 5,000 page views in just the last 30 days. It has almost 20,000 revisions to the talk page alone for Wiki Project Women in Red. So people have found that it's a safe place. You don't get harassed. You don't get the negativity you might find in other places on Wikipedia or in the world broadly construed. So that's that's kind of how we got our start and a little bit of where we are today. I guess it's really interesting just what you finished up there, the the fact that, the, you know, the discussion page, you know, is a safe space because in the fallout of, um, you know, the Gamergate uh, catastrophe and, and a few other issues that did, historically, we know now they pushed a certain amount of, of uh, female and non-male uh, contributors from Wikipedia and there was a certain amount of toxicity around that. that. And I wonder, is it because you decided that it's the content that you're focusing on rather than the editors that are editing it, that um, rather than creating like a female space or a women's only space, that it was open to everyone? And was that the, is that the, the, is that why it didn't attract perhaps some of the ire that previous projects had that were trying to kind of maybe address the same problem? It has to be. It has to be, Rebecca, because um, the last time that the Wikimedia Foundation did a 
editor's survey was part of a community insight survey in 2018. And in 2018, they published the numbers and the numbers said that 90% of the editors are men as of 2018. 9% women, 1% non-binary. Okay. So if 90% of the editors are men, if you try to focus only on women editors doing something and you try to exclude the majority of people who are editing Wikipedia, I think you're in for some hiccups, some stumbling blocks. I think that everyone has recognized that there's an issue with content gender gap. And that it isn't up to women only to fix it. It's a societal problem. It's society who is the media, who, you know, the journalists who, you know, cover different things and who choose to write about women versus men. It's society who is writing the history books. Do you write more history books about men or more history books about women? Because we need those sources to write the article on Wikipedia. It's society who's the textbook editor. What do we put in a textbook that goes on the desk that the child is going to be, you know, sitting there reading or, you know, uh, Zoom reading these days? So you know, society is the one who's, who's to blame for kind of where we are. And if we all recognize that, that it's all of us who need to work on this issue, like sort of Wiki Project Women in Red has done, I'd say probably most of the editors who are creating those biographies are probably mostly men. We don't know who they are. They use, you know, editor names. They use usernames, nicknames. They don't use their real name, though, of course, they're welcome to. Most people don't. So we don't know who they are. I can therefore only assume that most people who are editing these articles are men, who are watching this talk page are men, and are contributing to this talk page are going to be men. And they see a good reason why we should be civil on this talk page. So it doesn't mean that if an article is discussed on this talk page, it will automatically not be deleted. Not at all. We'll just talk about you know, what might improve the article. And that's what's different about the articles that don't end up on these talk pages where there are a lot of eyes, where there are a lot of people who can jump in and improve an article so that it doesn't get deleted. It's just knowing that you need more references. Sometimes people don't really understand that or that you need, you know, that page headers help the article, that more categories help an article, that better linkage help an article. You know, we discuss these kinds of things, and I think it's contributed why there is, we don't allow harassment, we don't allow incivility, but otherwise we allow all voices, we encourage all voices, we say we, we don't give a hoot who you are, just you know, join in and help us do this work. So to, you know, be an ally is kind of the... Be an ally. You know, being that, we're all in it together. Brilliant. Fantastic. It's interesting. So the, the question that I put to you first was um, or in our in our text form was about the gender gap and, and perhaps how it's how it's closing. But you put the comment that actually you, you see it as improving as opposed to closing. So how would you how, how do we pull that apart? What's your differentiation there? So I would say closing is 
if I were to say that the content gender gap is closing, I would want to say that the n number of the percentage of biographies was much higher than where it is now. And where it is now is at 18.59%. Okay, 18.59. So I told you it was 15.5. Now it's 18. 0.59. It's a definite improvement when we're talking about there's 1,752 million biographies on English Wikipedia. So definitely there's improvement. We're improving the content gender gap, but I just don't feel like we're closing it. I don't feel like it's, you know, I don't feel any negativity towards the speed at what we're doing because we can only write these as fast as an editor wishes to write this, a biography or another article related to women. And it's not to say you should stop writing biographies about men. I write them and I write other kinds of articles. And every time I write an article about something that isn't a woman, I take away the time from writing the biography about a woman. So I don't see anything wrong with doing that. We're all volunteers, you know. Write what you want to write when you want to write it. but. I don't see us closing the gap. And part of the problem with that is, like I said earlier, is society. Society hasn't given us as much information, the fodder that we need in order to create these articles as it does. It gives us all this fodder about men. So it's easy to write those articles. And so people still do. You know, no one is slowing down the rate of articles being created about men because there are new history books coming out. We have textbooks we can go to. We have all the different kind of web pages out there that can be used. And we do, we really would benefit from society kind of catching up and, and really, you know, helping with this focus. And some of it is happening. The New York Times it has started a couple of years ago by trying to right its own wrong in terms of missing um, obits on uh, notable women who had died. It's trying to catch up by, you know, creating those obits. And I think that there are plenty of others who are doing similar kind of good works in society in general, but not enough. We need more of that. As you said, kind of fighting the tide of, of written history to this point has, has had that. Gen I, the Dictionary of Irish Biography is doing the same thing now when it, when it releases its new entries for the year. It, it, tries, it strives for 50-50. But of course, the original book wasn't 50-50. So it's still, you're still a little bit behind. You know, you're never. You know, and it takes some mental toughness, too. If you realize that there's this kind of a problem and you work creating these articles, maybe you write one article a month or a week or a day, whatever suits you, and you see that the number is going up slowly, some people might feel like, you know, why am I doing this when what I'm doing just doesn't seem to be um, making any quick kind of actions. There's maybe other kinds of things that I could be doing with, with my life. I'll repeat, we're all volunteers. So it takes some kind of like, you know, um, you know, emotional intelligence, some kind of confidence that what you're doing is important and it's a long road. Um, don't give up. Uh, it means knowing how to kind of, you know, if someone leaves a note on your 
talk page and it's some kind of a toxic note regarding an article that you wrote. And believe me, it happens, especially if the editor is a woman and has outed herself as a woman, maybe because she um, uses social media to post about the articles that um, she has created. You know, how do you neutralize that? You know, it takes kind of this toughness. It takes being able to embrace, um, you know, you know, we're, we're changing the world. You know, it's in a way I feel like, oh, can I even say that? But yes, I can. We're, we're embracing, we need to see that what we're doing is actually changing the way um, our granddaughters will be able to see the world. If they can go to Wikipedia and see that there are now, you know, these many names of women that they can look at for a particular category of um, writers, scientists, um, politicians, and so forth. It, you know, it's compared to like what they would have been able to look at uh, in 2001, the first year the Wikipedia came out. So, you know, it's all of that. And it's understanding that if you do write an article and it ends up being deleted not to feel like you failed because you haven't failed there might not have been enough information about jane doe today but it's a long life 10 years from now there might be and so kind of keep an eye on that you know don't feel like because you had trouble with one thing that you did that it'll mean that future attempts at writing an article are going to be um, doomed to the same kind of things, you know, so don't kind of dwell on, you know, what has happened in the past, but just find a way to look forward. It's interesting because when you were saying about, you know, it, it's heartening to hear that you do you do occasionally write about men, uh, because on yeah. my to-do list, I have a whole swath of uh, Irish men in particular, and I have been studiously avoiding them to, in, in preference to female biographies. So for a while when I did, I'm doing uh, an article a day this year. And I, at the start, I was studiously writing 19 female biographies and one male. So like the the 19%, you know, trying to keep the, the ratio down, uh, but it's getting increasingly difficult. <laughs> so it's heartening to know that perhaps I shouldn't rake myself over the coals too much for occasionally writing about a few more men here and there. Oh. Rebecca, not at all. First of all, congratulations. An article a day is no small feat. That takes um, real effort, um, you know, sitting down to do that. But yeah, if you feel like writing a biography about a man, go for it. You know that, you know, men hold up 50% of the sky as do women. So, you know, again, we're, we're volunteers, so we should do what we feel like doing. Um, because yeah. I was in the yeah I was in the room uh, when you launched uh, Women in Red in Mexico. That was oh, the last that was the last Wikimania that I attended. Yeah, and uh, at the time I was doing. You've heard of one hundred Wiki Days, have you? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yes. So I was the first person to do it on English uh, language Wikipedia actually uh, wow. back in back in twenty fifteen, and I was half well roughly halfway through it when you launched Women in Red, and I immediately pivoted to. Um, to just writing about women kind of in response because uh, I got access to the Dictionary of Irish Biography and I had this big long list, you know, because I cross-referenced their entries with Wikipedia. Um, and I am interested, I suppose, have you, do you feel like your project has been superpowered a little bit by Wikidata? Um, 
the Wikidata has helped us immensely. Once we once Wikidata became a new wiki project, we were able to create lists of women who were on Wikidata for a number of reasons. Um, because the woman has a biography in some other language, Wikipedia, because the woman has an authority control, because the woman won some award and has no article on any language, Wikipedia, we are able to now run queries and then um, create listeria lists of these women. And we have something over 700 lists of missing women sorted by all different kinds of things, like what decade they were born, what, you know, the women who attended which university and are missing an article, the BBC 100 women who are notable enough but missing a Wikipedia article. And of course, like I said, if they have an article in some other language Wikipedia, but not English language Wikipedia, they'll show up on our list too. We call these red lists because they're lists that have red links and on wikipedia the red link leads to nothing while the blue link leads to another wikipedia article it's kind of that rabbit hole that you can fall down when you're in wikipedia you start on one page and half an hour later you're somewhere very different and it's like how did i ever get here but I guess that's another story. So yes, Wikidata changed a lot for us because now we have, we're able to create these lists. Whereas early on before Wikidata, we were creating the lists, but they were what you would call crowdsourced. So I might start a list of, let's say, um, missing women biologists and start adding names with a couple of references behind each name or we had lists of names that came from a particular website or a, um, a, a biographical dictionary, for example. And we would go through and by hand be typing those names of the women who you know, appeared in a biographical dictionary published in 1957. So now with Wikidata, we still have the kinds of red lists that I mentioned, but we also have these that are generated from Wikidata. I'll say one more thing that we get with Wikidata lists is that if the woman has an image, a photo on Wikicommons, and if that image is in her Wikidata item, then when she appears on our Wikidata red list, we see her photo there. Some people are inclined to choose, like thinking, well, I want to write a biography about a woman poet today. Let me look at the list of missing women poets. And they'll scroll through and choose one because it's got a photo. Of course, they verified that there are enough references to support writing the biography about this Jane Doe. But because there's a photo, you know, there's that saying, a picture tells a thousand is worth a thousand words. It's kind of like that. You know, we've also found that when there is an image in a biographical article or an image in any article, let's say it's of a lake, river, or stream, that people stay on that article longer than if the article has no image on it, no photo or other kind of image. So there's this benefit of these Wikidata lists. If it has an image, 
that is that comes from our wiki commons sister site that people might be more inclined to choose that article as the one they're going to write today versus another article where you know there's just no image or there might be an image out there in the world but it isn't freely licensed so we can't import it we can't take that image off of that let's say a website of some university because she's a professor let's say because the image isn't freely licensed so we can't use it it has to just stay where it is um I can't say how important it is to try to get more images of notable women into Wiki Commons, um, but that's for somebody else to talk about in another podcast. <laughs> and that's one of the power as well as the the Twitter uh, account for Women in Red. I think that the the getting the word out and tweeting at, as you say, institutions or or uh, even museums that might hold photographs of people or libraries or whatever it is to kind of say, hey, would you consider either you know, uh, upload your photograph yourself if it's a living person, um, or would you think about you know donating an image to to Commons for this? We sure we ask people and we talk about it when at all of these different kinds of conferences, even nowadays Zoom conferences, we you know we talk about you know here you are with twenty thousand other people at a conference. Encourage the women to take a selfie of themselves. And upload it to Wiki Commons, or you take the image of Jane Doe and upload it to Wiki Commons. Maybe today she isn't notable enough to create the Wikipedia article, but hopefully, again, it's a long life. So, five years, 10 years, 50 years from now, we'll have that um, image and we can upload it. You know, you mentioned Twitter, and so I want to say a word about that. When we started Women in Red in 2015, we weren't doing any social media. We, you know, Roger and I and the people who joined us that, you know, first day, week and month weren't necessarily so into the marketing, but we kind of quickly understood that that was going to be important. You know, I have an MBA, a master's in business. And so that has, you know, I, I can't discount what effect that has had on how women in red has flourished. The, you know, the need to have a logo, the need to kind of sort out our metrics from day one, well, day zero, we met with someone who helped us with how are we going to follow our metrics before we even launched the project and um, the look and feel of our page and such. It was, you know, I think this background in business, but we were slow. It probably took us six months before we realized that we needed to kind of get going with that. And now with just Twitter alone, we have um, almost something over 9,000 followers. We have uh, something over 26,000 tweets that we've done. We have a social media presence also on Facebook. Um, a strong presence on Pinterest. Um, we have a new admin on our Instagram account. So we've realized how important it is to get out there and talk about these articles that are being created. And people seem to really like that. So we just keep doing it. That's fantastic. It's, I think it's interesting, you know, the uh, especially with Pinterest and Instagram, just kind of an aside, they are somewhat seen as, as feminized or feminine uh, social media networks. So I think it's, it's um, 
and that the fact that you know there are there always has been I suppose a you you've had that focus on um the imagery and of course the Pinterest that works very well so when photographs are uploaded you can then pin them uh to the relevant Pinterest boards that's really that's really interesting that's exactly what our Pinterest admin is doing every new article that's created that has an image usually a photograph but sometimes it's another image artwork that she's created or something like that um those images from those articles all get uploaded to pinterest for the particular month so there's an october 2020 women in red page on um pinterest now that has all of those images and so forth so you know when you look at that you go wow that's those are pretty cool i mean it's a lot of images now that we're seeing um I would love to see more. Yeah, but for all the reasons that you were saying, you know, there there is there is a challenge there, a huge challenge. But uh, it is there is something very satisfying when you do manage to to wrangle, it. and also the the public domain day as well. That's happened to me. Yeah. Um, particularly, uh, Roger himself actually has, uh, and Andy Andy Mabbitt does it as well. Um, where you'll see in January some of the artists that I've written about, they've managed to get a picture of some of their artwork on because they've just gone into public domain. So the you know. Seeing those little updates in your watch list is is heartening as well, and helps with you know the the morale to keep going. You know, to, you know when you're saying kind of why would you keep you know perhaps you know if the, if the change is slow or incremental, it's things like that that kind of I think keep you keep you going, kind of buoy you up. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Rosie. It was absolutely an absolute delight to talk to you, and I'm gonna I will pause our recording now. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.